You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 240 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. I've had a few questions sent into the podcast and I will use this episode to try and answer them as best as I can. The first one was posted on uh, this podcast subreddit and it goes like this. Your thoughts on how young adults should play the game. What would you do if you were 22 years old having the knowledge that you have now? First of all, who says I'm not 22? (laughs) Well, for any youngster out there listening, regardless of how young you are, I would say that my first piece of advice based on my own experience going through life is the following and actually it's not my first piece of advice, it's actually my first 10 pieces of advice because I have 10 things I like to say. And if you apply these 10 points to your life, you'll have a better experience in the long run. At least that is what happened to me. And I can only give uh, suggestions based on my own direct experience. Now the first point is, and it's probably the most important point, is to do what you want to do. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. Avoid peer pressure. Where will those peers be on your deathbed? I think this is so important. If it feels right in your heart, then do it. And don't base your decisions in life on what other people say or think. And certainly don't base a decision on money. Follow your heart. You know, it's a old, old saying and it, it is true. Uh, so if you want to do something, as long as it doesn't include hurting other people, you know, uh, you should do it. Just do what you want to do. I mean, if you want to be an astronaut, you can't just be an astronaut I'm sure you have to study at some sort of astronaut school so if that's what you want to do then take the steps that is required for you to be able to do that secondly I would say fuck money fuck money there's nothing wrong with making money it's nothing wrong with starting a business and it begins raking in a profit there's nothing wrong with landing a well-paid job It's all fine, but I would still say fuck money. Use it like toilet paper. And by that I mean don't let it dictate what you do, who you are uh, or what you want. If money ever becomes part of a choice or an action, you'll eventually lose. So fuck money. Do what you want to do and fuck money. My third lesson is somewhat related to the first thing I mentioned about doing what you want to do. But it still deserves its own point and that is that you shouldn't try and please others. For instance, don't dress a certain way because you think others will respect you or think or say things in order to gain the approval of others. It's your life. It's your life. And as far as we know, you only have one. Maybe you have a thousand lives, but I mean, why, why, why gamble, you know? 
right now you have this life so you should use that life properly and you should do what the fuck you want to do of course you should also not be stupid I mean if you go to the bank to ask for a loan to buy a house you don't walk in there dressed in hippie clothes saying you know hey give me a loan man don't be square no no you put on a suit and you walk in there like you're worth a million bucks that's how you get that loan if you want a loan that is see you got you got to be clever sometimes to get what you want there's nothing wrong with that you know use stealth I'm speaking more in general terms, you know, be who you really want to be. And if friends or family have a problem with what you want to be or how you want to be, well, fuck them. My fourth point is to try and grow some balls. And that goes for both male and female. It's an expression. And by that, I mean that you should develop some sort of confidence in yourself. If you do that, you'll have an easier time to live your life the way you want to live it. Because if you are doing what you want to do and other people are saying maybe you shouldn't do that or, you know, don't do that. If you're confident, it's easier to say, well, fuck off, I'll do what the fuck I want to do. And I can't stress that enough because I think that's very important. Because people have a tendency to fall into a sort of like automaton life or uh, you know they get trapped in the machine in the game of society and career and maybe it's not what they want to do of course not everybody can be a rock star if you want to be a rock star but it doesn't mean you can't make music because if you want to be a rock star to get rich and famous well then you you've missed uh, anything you missed the point because you should love music and you want to make music it doesn't matter if you become a rock star if or if you're just playing in your living room you know if you're playing alone in your living room doing what you love then you are a rock star why would you need other people's approval to say oh you're so good you're a rock star why if you're a rock star in the in at home alone I mean, that's enough. Why would you need other people? It's like, uh, for instance, if you want to be an author, you know, you write a book, you self-publish it. Nobody buys it, but hey, you're an author. And you did what you love to do, which is writing a story. And you publish it, and you can have it in your hand, you know, a finished piece of work. Uh, you're an author. But if you want to be an author to sell millions of books, you know, then you're involving money again. In the long run, that's not happiness. That's not going to give you any peace of mind. Now, if you write a book or you make music or whatever you do and it becomes successful, you know, yeah, fine, fine. But you shouldn't do it with that as your intention. You, you, You see what I'm saying? Focus on what you love to do, and if that brings you money in the end, well, fine. If it doesn't, well, who gives a fuck? You're doing what you love to do. As number five, I would say learn to let things go. Don't hold a grudge. Don't plan for a revenge. Don't allow assholes that have hurt you feed you negative energy for year after year after year. Just let it go. 
If you don't let things go, they win. Whatever an asshole does to you, you know, they, whatever they did, uh, if that made you feel sad or lonely or unhappy or traumatized, you know, it's gonna be, it's, it's like a parasite, it's like a vampire. Just try and just let it go. Fuck it. Fuck them. Just let it go and you'll be free, you know. It's important. Let things go. And, you know, sometimes people can hurt you a lot, but you should, you should, you should still let it go. You win in the end. If you want to play this game of life well, uh, whenever somebody hurts you, just let it go. Just let it go. It, it will make you stronger. Uh, it doesn't mean you should allow them to keep hurting you, you know. That's when that point I said earlier about having balls comes in. Because if somebody keeps repeatedly hurting you, you should tell them to fuck off and get them out of your life. But you shouldn't hold a grudge. You should, When you get them out of your life, you should just let it go. See what I'm saying? Numero six. You should help people. Without, and this is important, you should help people without expecting anything in return. The more positive energy you send out, the more you'll get in return. You'll also encounter people that still give you negative energy or take advantage of your good nature. You'll still bump into those people. And here you got the let them go thing working for you as well as well as the balls to say no, you know. So help help your fellow man or woman. If you encounter somebody that, that needs your help, help them. Don't expect anything re- in return. And if people start using you, let them go and have the balls to say no. My seventh suggestion is to not be afraid of love. And also not to be afraid to remain a child. You can be mature and old and wise and still be a child. You can also be an adult and be extremely childish. And I would go with the former. Mature, old, wise with a childlike state of mind. You you know, try and see the world through a child's eye and everything becomes interesting and magical. What makes a child stopping a child is puberty and the propaganda of society and schooling that is and is trying to make you into this mature adult. But, you know, especially it's very that's why psychedelics is so healthy, I think, because it makes you look at that mature adult and you see this like immature baby (laughs) and uh, when you were a child you know you could give unconditional love you you know you you didn't see color when you met a different race you greeted everybody equally you uh, thought everything was magical you know a child is pure and the more you can hold on to that childlike mentality. And I don't mean being childish. I mean a childlike mentality 
is a very powerful thing that you can use in your life. And uh, everything will become interesting and magical. And it, and it will also be easier to allow love into your life. And even if you've been hurt, don't be afraid to allow love to enter your life again. And if you're hurt again, just let it, let it go and allow it to enter your life again. Because many times people get hurt in love and they close themselves off. Um, afraid of getting hurt but you shouldn't be afraid of getting hurt what you should be afraid of is not living your life and enjoying it and uh, you know the worst thing that can happen if you find a new person and they also break your heart is that your heart's broken but you know it's not really broken because the thing with love is that it can heal any broken heart. So just get out there and find somebody else. So never be afraid to allow love to enter your life. My eighth suggestion is that you should try and find a creative outlet. It doesn't matter what it is. Paint, write, sing, dance, make music, make films, sculptures, carpenting, cooking, sewing, gardening... Whatever it is that you enjoy. Now, some people call this a hobby. But I think that is derogatory. Find something creative that you love to do. And do that as your job. Make it the center of your life. And whatever paid job you have on the side, make that your hobby. It's a perspective kind of thing, but it's, I think it's very important. And I would strongly advise anybody listening that whatever, whatever it is that you love to do, that's your fucking job. And whatever you do to sustain life, that's a hobby. Number nine. It's fun to party. It's fun to get drunk, take drugs, screw around, chase girls or guys. And it's a stage that everyone goes through. But it will never provide a long-lasting happiness. You should try and find happiness in being sober. And I'll get to that. I'm going to talk a bit about being sober later on in this episode. But find happiness in being sober. If you can do that, you will almost become untouchable. Number 10. Health. The greatest wealth is health. And it's never too late to take care of yourself. So there you have it. 10 simple suggestions. And I'm sure there are more, but if I make an abbreviated conclusion, I I would say this. It's your life. Find out who you are. Don't be afraid to look at yourself. Discover who you are and who you want to be. And I don't mean... If you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, I mean, what kind of person do you want to be? That is where you find happiness. Not in career, not in money, not in fame, not in acquaintances. You see, the older you get, you'll discover that freedom, peace of mind, love and family, your old family or a new family, it doesn't matter, but family, those things will be what is the most important. Not career, not fame, 
not a multitude of friends that come and go, but love and family and and you know happiness, peace of mind. That's important. Nothing else. Because if you you know a Lamborghini, you can't bring it with you when you die. Your fame, you can't bring it with you. But what you can bring with you when you die is your experiences. And usually on your deathbed, the experiences that you hold most dear is not an experience of fame or career or things like that. But it will be the love you've received or given to people you care about. Follow the golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated. Have the balls to dream big and be proud if you fail at those dreams because failure is proof of trying and as long as you try, you win. I hope any youngster out there can use some of that and I hope I answered this the question that was posted on, on uh, the subreddit National Born Alchemist. Um, what I just said is what helped me and if you want to have a better advice delivered more eloquently then here's Michael Caine reading the amazing poem If by Ru- Rudyard Kipling. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowances for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor look too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life for broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools, If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at the beginning and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are done and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 40 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, You'll be a man, my son.
One of the patrons of the podcast wrote to me on patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist the following suggestion. Why not an episode on being sober? It's an issue that is forefront in my thoughts and I have not been able to win the battle on a couple of fronts. Now, uh, I'm making this just part of this episode, not a whole episode on itself because I think the whole this whole podcast series, Natural Born Alchemist, I think one of the threads or the themes of this uh, podcast series is about being sober. Even though we're talking a lot about uh, psychedelics, um, I don't use psychedelics as much as I talk about them, you know. I might use it once and talk about it a thousand times. So... Uh, I think psychedelics helps, can help an individual to be sober. And, um, you know, some people are more addicted or more easily addicted to things than other people. And uh, regardless if you are easily addicted to something or not, the solution to being sober is the same. It comes from peace of mind. Because the need to use any substance, be it alcohol or cigarettes or whatever drugs, is a sort of escape. It's to, you know, like if you work a lot and it makes you feel stressed or makes you feel exhausted it does help to sit down and have a a beer or whatever you a joint or whatever you do to unwind because being sober requires a bit of you know it, it requires some balls to be sober uh, because living in society playing the society game being in the rat race it's not natural, it's unnatural. It's not the way humans live their lives for hundreds of thousands of years. It's unnatural. And it's unnatural because it usually doesn't take place in nature. I recently read an article that uh, uh, gardening can actually help you with addiction. Uh it was about these people who were addicts and they stopped being addicts and they replaced their addiction with gardening and the gardening brought them a kind of peace in their mind somehow. And I think that's because they are in nature working with nature. If you if you got a real problem with addiction, you know, iboga, iboga wood is very powerful and it does help with that. But um, if you just have small addictions or if you just can't help yourself, you know, like once a couple of times a month you need to get drunk, then there is something wrong in your life. There is something you're escaping from. And uh, it's, it's really hard to give an advice on this. I can only speak from personal experiences of course and I hope my experiences will help you asking the question 
how to win the battle and become sober uh, or anybody else listening also that that uh, feels the same way you know being sober can be also an addiction <laughs> a positive addiction things I've become sober from uh, was thanks to psychedelics so I, I, I didn't really do it on my own but I know that sobriety is power because society is drunk society is not sober so if you are sober you're empowering yourself it takes a while you know if you if it's common for you to once in a while get drunk or high or or whatever uh, it will take a few months so that the first few months those months are the most difficult ones but once you get past that it becomes easy and after a while you'll wonder how you could you know you'll start thinking about being drunk or high as an equivalent of like eating your own shit you know why would you it's not about trying to stop something you know like i have to stop drinking i have to stop smoking i have to stop this or i have to stop that it's about starting something what you're starting is your natural state of being who you really are and what you really are you're a sober human being adrift in the mystery of the universe and uh, one of the most stressful things you can do in this life is to die because when you die and you go over whatever happens we don't know we don't know what happens when we die but whatever happens you can't like have a beer or a joint to like calm the situation down you you're gonna have to go into the afterlife even if there's nothing there or if there's a heaven or hell or whatever it is we don't know but whatever you enter into when you die you will enter that place sober so if you're not used to being sober then i imagine it could be more difficult but if you live your life from now on till you die sober it will empower you because i know like uh, christian preachers they often talk um, uh, <laughs> they talk like you know you should live this life preparing for the afterlife because if you sin a lot you're going to go to hell if you don't prepare yourself you're not going to enter heaven and be with jesus you know <laughs> all that bullshit but uh, um there's there's a thing about that kind of argument that i agree with and uh, because you know we are we all are going to die we don't know what's going to happen when we die but we are all going to die all of us it's just a matter of when what are you going to do about it when you die like i talked a bit before you know did you did you live your life fully did you enjoy your life and if you have a shitty life you know change try and change it in any way you can if you do what you love to do you will enjoy life more you might live a more 
a, a life that's more poor, but in the long run, is it poor for your soul? You know, that's what's important. I think that a sober life is very empowering because when you're sober, it's easier to do the things you love to do because getting drunk or high or, or whatever uh, is very distracting and uh, it's like every night you go to sleep and you dream and then you wake up you're awake then you get drunk or you get high you kind of sleep again um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting high or getting drunk but if you really want to be sober try and think of it like it's not about trying to be sober or trying not to drink or smoke or, or whatever it's about becoming awake becoming present becoming powerful and I mean powerful in a positive sense not in a power to subjugate other people empowering power for yourself I hope that makes sense I don't know if it will help you win the battle and be more sober but um, like with all things in life if you want something to happen you gotta do it just do it and the next time you like feel weak and you feel like having a drink or a smoke or whatever it is you want to be sober from go to the mirror and look in the mirror. Yeah, that's a good trick. Go to the mirror and look in the mirror and ask your reflection, what the fuck are you doing? And if that doesn't help, then maybe you should go take a drink. <laughs> but it should help. Look in the mirror because you gotta face yourself. And there's nothing wrong with feeling shame because if you look in the mirror and you feel shame, like you look in the mirror and you still take that drink afterwards and you still get high or whatever it is, then the next time you're in the same situation and you feel like getting drunk or getting high, go to the mirror again, look in the mirror and you will probably feel a bit of shame or like, oh, last time I failed, but you know, this time, you know, face yourself, look in the mirror. Make your reflection be who you want to be. Make your reflection tell you to be sober. <laughs> I hope that I hope that that works anyway. I just thought of it now, so I don't know if it works, but I think it will work for me. In fact, uh, I have a... Uh, I'm still, I mean, I'm not 100% sober, straight edge, you know. I, uh, I'm still fucking, I can't, you know, sugar, man, fucking sugar. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta cut down on the sugar. So, in my case, you know, I'm gonna start doing that. Next time I, I wanna go on the sugar binge, I'm just gonna look in the mirror and think, what? So, you're telling me you're gonna start shoving down these unhealthy snacks, these like sugar cubes into your body. Is that what you're telling me? You fat fuck. You know, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to tell myself next time. Uh, yeah, so try that. Use the mirror. 
and uh, if you don't have you know go out and buy a mirror like a pocket mirror so if you happen to end up someplace where they are serving where they're serving alcohol or handing out joints or whatever just take out the mirror and look in your reflection um one thing they do in the iboga ceremony is because iboga is very does help a lot with addiction is that at the, one of the last stages of the iboga initiation is that you actually sit down and look in the mirror yeah so try that okay let's change the topic now i've become really bored with the cult of outrage and this triggered world we live in mostly reserved to the privileged parts because the privileged people myself included and everybody who lives in Europe and North America and Australia and that we have the time to be outraged and I think it's gone too far my favorite thing about the internet is the arguments I'm mad at you and my opinion is correct argue on Facebook having so much fun on the internet argue on twitter outrage we're having fun on the internet and i'm outraged what else can we argue about let's start an argument on the youtube comments hmm there's gotta be something i'm mad about i prefer arguing on youtube and instagram what should i be outraged at today very upset and therefore i will leave a comment There I was thinking it was just me that had a problem, but turns out it's the air conditioning that's sexist. I know. Those that are outraged and triggered are usually just a small minority. But the media machine are part of the equation and they blow these triggers out of proportion. Conspiratorially, I think this is because it's better to have people upset about outrage and triggers rather than never-ending war, environmentally unsound industries and general daylight robbery committed by the ruling class and governments. A microcosmic example happened a few months ago in episode 218 called It's a Wrap. And in that episode I talked about my most recent ayahuasca ceremony and in, in that ceremony a guy was freaking out and I had to concentrate so as to not freak out myself. Well, a few weeks after that episode aired, I got this message sent to me. If I remember correctly, you called him a fucking lunatic. Dude, I think that is actually pretty rude. Having such a difficult experience and on top of that, you calling him a fucking lunatic. He might be listening to this podcast, you know. Perhaps you should apologize in your next episode. For you to get the complete picture, I'm now going to play the part of that episode that this message is referring to. Imagine doing ayahuasca the first time and you have a guy like that next to you screaming, No, 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 Man, that would have freaked me out. And I really had to stay on my surfboard. I, I grabbed my bracelet I got from Rosa. I thought about concentrating the heart, focus, Don't think, just stay floating. Don't listen to this fucking lunatic screaming because he has fallen straight into the chaos of the abyss, of the ayahuasca, of the monkey mind. He 
is in a place where I've been many years ago. I didn't go as far as screaming, but I know exactly where he was. Don't think, just stay floating. Don't listen to this fucking lunatic screaming because he has fallen straight into the chaos of the abyss. So basically, in order for me to not lose my own mind when this guy was repeatedly screaming during the ceremony, I had to repeat to myself, don't listen to that lunatic, concentrate, stay on track, etc. Because he did sound like a madman, like someone that was lost in his own mind. And his lunacy began to make me lose my own mind. Don't listen to that fucking lunatic. That was what I was telling myself in that scenario. And why should I apologize for what I was thinking at the time? I don't apologize for my own mind. This example is a microcosm of this cult of outrage. This culture of apology and these triggered people. Maybe it's just me, but I think it's also childish. If someone on TV says something offensive, I'm strong enough to not need an apology. Fuck that person, why should I care? Our privileged lives here in the West have removed our balls. We need to be more confident, stronger and not so wimpy about every fucking little thing. Also, with freedom of speech, we have to keep in mind that we must allow people to say what we disagree with. That is freedom of speech. It's it's dangerous to label something hate speech. It weakens the term. You know, people use that, oh, it's hate speech, it's hate speech. It's not, it might be a speech of hate, but, you know, it's not really hate speech. Because hate speech is what presidents do when they talk freedom and mean war. That is the real fucking hate speech. The rest is fucking sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It doesn't mean we should accept some racists spewing their crap. I hate racists. But I also acknowledge their right to believe what they want as long as they don't act upon it physically. The solution to get rid of racists or other kinds of unwelcome behavior is love, not more hate. If racists behave in a certain bad way, the people who try and stop the racists, the social justice warriors or those kinds of people, if they behave in the same fundamentalistic, narrow-minded way towards the racists, it's just going to empower the racists and they're just going to recruit more people who love their perspective. The solution is not attack. The solution is not defense. The solution is unconditional love. Love, not hate. We don't need to hear apologies every five minutes. We don't need to hear any more outrage. It's an outrage. Or I got triggered. Or those people are toxic. You know... Like, who gives a fuck? Let people be who they are. Like, concentrate on your own life. And also the golden rule of treating others as you want to be treated. Even the people you dislike. Now, if you want to be outraged or triggered, 
then uh, try and be outraged and triggered about things that should be an outrage, like never-ending war, like pollution, corruption, those kinds of things, not like these petty things that the media seems to blow out of proportion. I got a good example um, that I now want to play. It's an excellent angry rant by comedian Bill Burr that I've edited quite a lot, but uh, it's an excellent rant from his Monday morning podcast. And uh, I think Bill Burr is a voice of sanity in this cult of outrage world. And he has some good points. So here's Bill Burr. I drive a Toyota Prius. And uh, when I drive it properly and I'm not slamming on the brakes and stomping on the gas, I can get 41 miles per gallon. Okay? Which is supposed to be good because a lot of shit gets 23, 25. Now, I've maintained for a while now that cars in the 70s used to get like 33, 35 miles a fucking gallon. And that's goddamn almost, you know, 35, 40 years ago. In this movie... This chick flick, the goodbye girl, the chick that uh, Dreyfus is is falling for, she's actually, you guys ever go to a car show? You know, where they show all the, uh, whatever, this year, they, uh, coming up in October, they'll start having the car show and they have all the 2012 uh, models that are coming out. And speaking of models, they have these broads standing next to them, at least they did back in the day, unless they consider it too sexist. They'd have good-looking women standing there talking about the car. So anyways, her character does that in this movie. And it's like, it's like 76, 1977, something like that. And she's standing in front of this Subaru talking about the car and says it gets 39 miles per gallon. All right? See, this is why I don't believe in shit. I don't believe in fucking anything. This is why everybody thinks, oh, you're paranoid. You're a fucking conspiracy. Th- that's it fucking right there. 39 miles per gallon of this fucking all-wheel drive Subaru. Those things back there weren't, oh, yeah, four-wheel drive. Subaru got 39 miles per gallon. That was their claim, okay? That's 19 fucking 76 or 77. You're telling me in 35 years... The best we've been able to do is get me an extra two miles per gallon on a fucking hybrid. It's complete bullshit. I think there's plenty of fucking oil, and it's uh, the whole thing's horseshit. You know, one time I was riding in a, I was riding in a cab in New York City, and this Pakistani dude was driving it. You know, surprise, surprise, and uh, I was talking to him about. I always like I love talking to people who don't live here. You know, or or who initially didn't live here and now live here, just getting their whole viewpoint on shit. Whether I agree with it or not, it's just interesting to me. So I was talking to him. This is the first time the gas prices were going through the fucking roof. And he says to me, he goes, do you know, a Toyota Camry in this country gets like whatever the fuck it was at the time, 23, 25 miles per gallon. He goes, do you know, in my country, it gets like 38, 39 miles per gallon or like 40, something ridiculous. He goes, do you know why that is? And I said, no. And he goes, because we can't afford a car that gets 23 to 25 miles per gallon because I guess where they live, whatever the fucking gas prices are, whatever their fucking economy is, they can't afford a car that gets that uh, amount of miles. So they just adjust the goddamn engine. 
So what I'm saying, people, is it's all bullshit. I don't know where I'm going with this stuff, and I don't know who to complain to. Now, I'm sure that guy who believes that uh, oil companies are not involved, are not throwing any, they're not going on buying up patents by people who are inventing more uh, efficient engines. Why would they do that? Just because they have billions of dollars and it's financially in their best interest to keep gas mileage down as low as they possibly can so they can all make more money. Why would they do things like that? The only inventions that they, they seem to be coming up with that comes from just regular people that they can actually get out there is just dumb shit. Like stuff like, oh, you're sick of dropping your keys between your fucking ass and the console? Here's a piece of foam. We'll stick in there. But anything else that is going to fuck over another like really powerful corporation never seems to come out. And I'm telling you, I know I'm a paranoid psychopath. Right, I'll admit that. Okay, I will definitely admit that. But on the other side, you're really going to sit there and think that these corporations don't have so much fucking money that they don't go out there and try to crush the fucking competition. And that if somebody goes out there and invents something that would drastically compromise their bottom line, they don't go out there and try to throw a bunch of fucking money at the person to buy their patent. No, you don't think that? Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. I, I'm telling you, you, you got your fucking head up your ass. And it must be a fucking absolute utopia. An absolute fucking utopia that you live in, that you actually sit there and believe. Believe in these, all of this shit. All the, the, the way cigarette companies covered up all kinds of studies and that type of shit. All the things that they did. The stuff that they put in them to deliberately make it even more addicting to ramp tobacco was already addicting. Then they threw other stuff in there and they actually ramped it up so high that it was more addicting than than fucking heroin. You're telling me, but the oil companies, the oil companies, all those guys, those guys are fucking, uh, those are quality human beings right there. Those people who work in the uh, the oil oil industry, they're... uh, Salt-to-the-earth kinds of people right there. They don't give a fuck. (laughs) We're over in the Middle East right now, people, because we so care about our fellow human beings that we want to go over there and liberate them. That's that's what we want to do. Now, I'm not saying you as an individual sitting there in your cubicle does not have compassion or empathy for people around the fucking globe. But I'm just saying... When you get up to the the, the the tippity top up there, it's 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 all about money and it's about power and it's about controlling people. That's all it's about. It has nothing to do with them helping liberate. It's just complete horseshit. It's like a catcher who catches a ball that's a little outside. He tries to frame it and make it look like a strike. That's just the shit that they say to you. I 100% fucking believe that. Okay, They don't even give a shit about people in this country. The way they handled fucking New Orleans... The way insurance companies are just able to walk away after these people paid money to have insurance for for that exact fucking disaster. I've I've worked down in New Orleans. The stories people have that insurance companies come in like, yeah, listen, uh, we're not covering anything above four feet because the water line's only at four feet. So uh, take it or leave it. Go fuck yourself. All of that. Insurance companies... Oil companies, it's uh, politics, it's all complete bullshit. And I am absolutely 
I'm not mad at you if you believe in those industries. I, I, I'm more fascinated by you. And I understand, and I've read enough on corporations, and I understand how they fucking work. That's all about the bottom line. And every quarter, they have to show a profit or it's considered a failure. They can't even show the same profit. They can't even be like, we made $6 billion last quarter, and we made $6 billion this quarter. That's considered a failure. They have to go up to $7 billion. Now, at some point, you're going to exhaust all ethical ways of making money, and you're going to start delving into the world of fucking evil, which is – I think that they're, they're up to their heads in it. I don't buy it. Um, anyways, Bill, love the podcast. This is such a great way to start. The reason the U.S. Camry gets 26 miles per gallon and the Pakistani version is, gets 39 is simple. Wait. Don't, it's simple? It's simple. C- controlling the world's energy is a simple thing. The U.S. version has airbags, crumple zones, roll cages. A roll cage? It doesn't have a fucking roll cage, you moron. It might be structurally more sound. It doesn't have a really does have a roll cage and the fucking doors are welded, which adds 650 pounds to the weight of the car. Imagine the mileage you would get in your Prius with those fat twins. But you're, you're an idiot. You're, ref, you're not an idiot. You, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I, I refuse to believe that. Okay, you're just like me. You're a fucking regular person. You went up, you looked, for, you looked at some stats to try and support your fucking argument, just like I'm doing. But I'm, 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 I'm sticking by this one. I know I'm fucking right on this one. I remember one time I had this old piece of shit truck, right, that I drove for like 10 years because I knew I wanted to be a comedian and I didn't want to go into debt. So when the engine finally died, I threw a new engine in there. And the guy told me he needed to rebuild the carburetor. I'm like, you don't need to rebuild the carburetor. So you know what this cunt did? He fucking adjusted the carburetor so I would just get shitty gas mileage. Hoping I would be an absolute fucking moron and then drive back and be like, well, I guess you're right. I'm just I'm just chowing through gas here. That's what this motherfucker did. At his little garage, this little piece of shit did that because it wasn't enough that he fucking made sixteen hundred fucking bucks off me. He wanted to make like fucking nineteen hundred bucks. So he did that just as a fucking individual. And you're going to try and tell me that a corporation that basically controls the world fucking energy is not going to buy up patents by people that, that, are, that, are, that are, are, are making – are coming up with uh, carburetors and stuff like carburetors, but, but coming up with, with, with alternate ways of powering a car more efficiently. They're not going to buy that up. Dude, they had that whole Stanley Mayer thing. And that's not a conspiracy theory either. We actually, we actually played the news clip on the Opie and Anthony show. Stanley Mayer, great news for individuals, but bad news for oil companies. Claims he's come up with an engine that can run on any type of water. Fresh water, salt water, rain water doesn't make a difference. And he claims he can drive across the country on 28 gallons of water. Um, this is of such interest, the Pentagon is sending a lieutenant colonel out there. That was the actual news clip from the Opie and Anthony show. It was an actual news clip. It's not some bullshit I read on a fucking website. Okay? Now, what happened after that, nobody knows. But basically, within 10 years, Stanley was dead and his car disappeared. And his brother right now is trying to get the car back and nobody knows where the fuck it is. All right? 
Um, I, I truly believe that the quickest death sentence you could possibly have is to go on the news and claim that you've come out with an alternate source of energy that's going to put a corporation out of business that is making that is projected to make $350 billion next year. How much do you think your life is worth? And if you have $350 billion, how easy is it, do you think, to get somebody to solve this problem? You can't have people getting free energy, all right, because I, they're not going to work. If every time the fucking wind blows, I can watch another fucking eight hours of TV, you know? Am I going to be putting in for overtime? Am I going to be working like a dog like these other goddamn people? You know? If every time it rains, I got enough fucking water to fucking drive all the way to goddamn Kansas City. I got enough water to drive to Kansas City and back. Do you think that they can have that? I'm telling you, if when it rained, if it rained oil, let's just flip this for a second. If it rained oil and it was a lubricant, but somehow it made the trees grow, I guarantee you whatever powered the cars would not be oil. Gas and oil, I guarantee you it wouldn't. It would be something else. They have to make it. They have to keep you away from it. Am I out of my fucking... I probably am out of my mind. I just don't... I don't believe it. I just don't fucking... I don't believe it. I don't believe any of it. And I think anybody out there who's tried to climb any sort of... Like, ladder of power. You haven't noticed that the higher up you you went the more compromised, what the fuck, the more you had to compromise what you wanted. My business is no different. It's no fucking different. The higher up you get, the more is at stake, the more money is at stake, the more the art gets compromised. Look at this shit. I can say whatever the fuck I want on this goddamn podcast. There's nothing at stake. I don't make any fucking money off of this shit. All right? But if all of a sudden I started getting advertising on this thing, right? Like a, a severe level of advertising to the point, let's say I was actually able to make a million dollars a year off of this shit. And all of a sudden I'm going off on Jesus and that type of shit. And then all of a sudden some fucking advertiser goes, hey, we're going to pull the spots here. And your money is going to drop down, back down to nothing or whatever. Drop down to like a hundred grand a year. You're telling me in my head I'm not going to start thinking like, well, maybe I won't say what I think about religion. Okay, that's just a million dollars. Forget about $350 billion. And some douchebag on Long Island comes up with a fucking car that can run on water. You know, and he's not, that guy wasn't evidently willing to sell his fucking invention. I got to tell you this, people. If you're out there and you're working on an engine that can work on, somehow is powered by water, don't go to the news with it. All right? I don't know how to get it out there, but... I'm telling you, if you were able to come, come up with something like that, and let's say on the sly you started building them, all right, there's no way to keep it a secret. And when the oil companies found out that you had it, there would be like men in black type vans pulling up to your fucking warehouse, okay? And they would be smiling, but they'd have that look where they're looking right through the back of your head. And at first, they'd try to pay you off and buy the fucking patent. And if you didn't sell it to them, they would move to the next phase. 
and you would somehow mysterious like the 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 urban myth with that guy Stanley Mayer was basically he was in a diner. He stood up, said, "My God, they've poisoned me." He walked out in the parking lot and dropped dead. Shortly thereafter, his card in with the invention in it disappeared, and now his brother's trying to find out what's go- what happened to him, which he never will. This is probably one of the craziest podcasts I've ever done. Am I freaking you guys out? Good. I think you already know that this podcast is the cat's pajamas. That when listening to this podcast you feel totally lit. That you cannot deny that it is legit. The bee's knees, gravy noodles, packed, peachy. Sometimes even a complete clam slam. Now if you feel it as I do, why don't you become a patron and support the podcast? Go to patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist. Stay woke, support. Well, I hope I uh, answered the messages I received in this episode. The first one about uh, what what advice I could give to young people to make it easier for them to play the game of life. The other was how to be more sober. And finally, uh, about apologies and outrage. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, It's over now, so uh, there's not going to be much more. The only thing left is to play a little song. Here's the song Stumpy Joe. And this song, you if you are really easily offended, you could be offended by this song. I'm not, because uh, it's just a song. Take it easy. <laughs> uh, it's called Stumpy Joe from the Love Button album Stigma to Gobius. To hear more from Love Button, you just go to Love dash button.com alright I'll see you all in a week and then we are going to focus on time travel take care freedom is in the mind there's a song about a guy his name was Joe he didn't have any arms or legs I made sure
was cool Every time I seen him He'd be walking down the street Well he'd be He'd be rolling down the street With three girls on what used to be his arm I was so depressed When I had the prom I sat home Playing pong And I, I went to the kitchen and Took out a butter knife Started sawing off my arms Sawing off my legs I sawed off my legs and then I sawed off my arms Cause I wanted to be like Joe Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, Joe 